unbroken. Turn to your neighbor and say, unbroken. Are you unbroken? Unbroken. If you were to look up unbroken in the dictionary, not fractured, not damaged, not interrupted, not disturbed, continuous, whole, intact, and in one piece, unbroken. And I wonder this morning how many of us feel intact, whole, and in one piece. Obviously, these physical vessels made it here this morning, right? So we're well on our way, but are we unbroken? And sometimes when you define a word, it's good to look at the opposite, right? So unbroken versus broken. Broken is defined being fractured, damaged, no longer in one piece, not in working order, and here it goes a little deeper. Suffering, emotional pain that is so strong that it changes the way you live, usually as a result of an unpleasant event. Broken. Have you ever been broken before? Has there ever been anything in your life that has broke you? And I know we just finished tax season April 15th, and I'm not saying broke. <laughs> We don't want to put that out there, but we know they want their money. Has anything ever caused you pain? Has anything ever emotionally drained you? Fractured, damaged, no longer feeling like I'm in one piece, broken. And so this morning as we get started, we start a theme unbroken. Turn to your neighbor one last time say unbroken. Now my title today is called The Power of Love. Turn to your neighbor and say The Power of Love. talking about that power of love, but the power of love this morning. And with that, if you have your Bibles, we're going to get into our text. And that is Matthew chapter 15, starting 21. Pausing for a coffee break. Jesus left Galilee, and he went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him, pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is possessed by a demon, and it torments her severely. Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him, send her away. Tell her to go away. She's bothering us with all that begging. Verse 24. 
Jesus said to the woman, I was only sent to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. And she came and worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord. But even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. And so this morning we start a story, and they made the point to say that it was a Gentile woman. And if you're wondering what a Gentile woman is, simply a non-Jew. So if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. Real easy, right? Real simple. Gentile woman. And our Gentile woman this morning, you know what she was? She was broken. She was broken, fractured, damaged, no longer in one piece. She wasn't in good working order. Our woman this morning, the story, she was suffering emotional pain that was strong, that changes the way that she was living because of an unpleasant event. What was that unpleasant event? Her daughter got possessed by a demon. Now, how many of us as parents have ever said that to our kids? You're possessed. I think I have once, maybe twice, I don't know. Never, right? We never as good parents say that, but we, for this woman in this story, she was broken and it wasn't something that happened to her directly. It was something that happened to her daughter. Her daughter was possessed. And this possession, what was the possession doing? It was tormenting her severely. And so she had to look at her young daughter who was being tormented. And, and to think about this, it wasn't being tormented by something that she could see. You can't, you, we can't see demons. Even though we call people we don't like demons, right? This was not one of those kind. This was an unseen demon. And so for her young daughter, she was fighting something. She was being bothered by something that you couldn't see. And so she knew something was wrong. So what did she do about it? What did she do about it? We don't know in this story and in this text what she did first. But at this point, she, she ends up with Jesus. And so she's with Jesus, with her brokenness, with all that she had. How did, how did it go for her? You know, when you have a meeting with someone and it's important, what's one of the first questions one of your friends asks? Well, how did it go? Well, I'm glad you asked. When she comes to Jesus, she asked for help. What did she get? She first got silence. What? Jesus, the Son of God, was silent. And then you know what else he did to make it even funner? He kind of called her a dog. Jesus, the Son of God, kind of called her, compared her to a dog. Ouch. Now think about that for a second in a church setting. If you come to church every Sunday and you're trying to get someone's attention and they're silent to you, 
you probably don't come back. If you come to church on Sunday and someone calls you a dog, you're either going to smack them or you ain't going to come back. This woman, she gets silenced from Jesus. She gets compared to a dog. And just on that note, you know, it's funny. The thing with church, and, and it's one of the things that sometimes we can struggle with, if you globally look at churches, number one, ask yourself, is there any perfect church? No. But why is it when one big church all of a sudden has a massive problem? Christians throw them down to the ground, they grab their rocks, and they throw it at them. Right? It's sad. There are churches, big churches, little churches hurting all over the world because sometimes we, we hold churches up to this level here. There's things that happen here that happen outside the walls. But we're not going to talk about what happens outside the walls. Let's just point fingers and throw rocks what happens in the church. This woman standing with Jesus, she's ignored. How do you like to be ignored, ladies? She's compared to being a dog. How would you like it if a man called you a dog? And then I like what the disciples do. Get this chick out of here. She's annoying me. Get, come on. This girl's a nag. You get Jesus and the disciples. Now, this woman is fully broken because her daughter is suffering. When we see some girl, little girl suffering, doesn't it break our heart and we cry and all those horrible things? She was ignored and she didn't walk away. She was compared to a dog and she still didn't walk away. The disciples two times, get rid of this thing. She's annoying me. And you know what happened? She still stayed there. It's amazing how easy we give up on things, on people sometimes, ignored, called names, or other people are gossiping about us. It's easy how we give up on church, we give up on God, because something doesn't go right in the moment. But for this lady in the story, she's speaking to us today. Have any of you ever tried to do one thing right? And when you did that one thing right, life got harder? And you're saying, I'm doing the right thing. So why did it get harder? I'm going to church on Sunday. COVID's over and I'm going to church, but why did life get harder? I'm trying to put money in the bucket as it goes around, but why did bills go up? It's funny because, see, God never promised easy, but for some reason we've been made to believe that being a Christian and doing the right thing is always easy. There's a movement and there's people who preach easy all the time. But if you look at the disciples and you look at Jesus, was their road easy? Mm -mm. Their road wasn't easy. But why do we complain when it's not easy? When you try to do what's right, when you try to do what's right, and then it gets harder, 
why do we start to complain? Or why do we give up? I wonder in this story, you know, for the woman, <clears throat> I wonder in this story for the woman, did she really go to Jesus first or did she go to her friends first? And I wonder for this woman in this story, did she go to her doctor and say, my daughter is crazy. Put her on birth control. Just kidding. Her emotions are out of whack. Maybe that's what it is. I wonder if she went to a doctor and said, I don't know what's wrong with my daughter. She didn't have Google, so we know she didn't go there. She didn't have social media, so she couldn't go there. There wasn't the TV and the health channel, so she couldn't turn it on. As she watched her daughter get tormented by a demon, who did she go to first? And the question is, when situations arise in your life, who do you go to first? When struggles happen, when broken things happen, and things get broken, where do we go first? Where's the first place we go? Do we go to God? Do we give him our brokenness? Or sometimes when we go to God and we don't get the, it doesn't happen within the time limit, we try God. Ah, I tried God, but it didn't work. I tried having a Coke, get rid of my headache, didn't work. Tried going to Starbucks, needed some caffeine. Eh, that didn't get me going. So many things in our brain, when, when we don't get it in the response time or expectation of what we have, so many of us give up so easy. And the story, it ended with the good news because Jesus said, your request is granted. Your request is granted. Your faith, your faith, your faith is great, Jesus said. I'm called a dog. I was ignored. I was pushed away. But she hung in there. She was a fighter. She was a scrapper. And she was not giving up until she got what she came for. And her daughter, because of that, was instantly, instantly, instantly healed. Sometimes we pray for things and we give up too easy. Sometimes we're believing for a situation in ourselves, in our kids, in our friends, and when we don't get that instant, 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 what do we do? We give up. When something happens, it doesn't go our way. We give up. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 3.12. Paul says, I don't mean to say I have everything I achieved, these things, or that I have already reached perfection. But this is what I do. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing 
Forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling me. And so this morning, as we start to develop and build into the text, the biggest thing is, are we pressing through with what's in front of us? Are we pressing on to lay a hold of what God wants us to have this morning? Are you reaching out for him, even when you can't seal it, feel it, even when you feel like you're being ignored, even when you feel like it's not going your way? How much are you pressing through and pressing on, not to what you see, but pressing on to him? Paul said, listen, I press on to possess that which has been called to me. That's what's been called of all of us, that one day we will die and we'll pass from this life to the next, and then you will get a taste, the clearest taste of heaven. But he said, listen, to get there, I have to forget what's behind me. I have to forget what's in the past. And I must walk every day, pushing myself, pressing on to go after what is ahead of me this morning. Just like the girl in the story. Leaning, striving, hungering for the things that God has for us. Jesus told a story, Luke 18, verse 8. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story that they should always pray, never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly, saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. The Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a good decision in the end. Don't you think that your God will give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Isn't that what we sang about this morning? Day and night, day and night, day and night. I tell you, God will grant justice to those quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? Jesus tells this story because he knows in our human nature we give up so easy. He tells the story of, of a persistent widow going to a mean judge, a mean man. How many of us know mean men out there? And every day, every day she would not give up. So what did the mean man finally do? He granted her request because he didn't want to see her again. And Jesus said, how much more your heavenly father will give if you just keep on praying? What are you praying for this morning? What are you believing for this morning? Are you being persistent or are you giving up? This story, it speaks of brokenness. But brokenness, when you place brokenness in the right two hands, you know what happens? It becomes unbroken. Our lady in the story, she had a broken daughter. 
and it changed life in the moment. There was horrible, there was pain, torment, all these things. But she took her brokenness, and then she placed them in the hands of God. And that brokenness became what? Unbroken. Are you unbroken this morning? Are you whole? You know, one of those things that we learn in life that sometimes um, there's this thing called the neurocycle. I don't know if you've ever, how much you get into psychology, but there is a neurocycle. It takes 63 days. And in 63 days, our brain can be rewired, our brain can be retrained, our brain could be healed in 63 days. There's a few-step process, simple. Similar to what the Bible says, you have to learn to capture junky thoughts and then replace them with heavenly thoughts. This is the same principle. But it, for people who get into the neuro cycle, you know what happens on the seventh day, 14th day, 21st day? Your brain releases chemicals and it says, oh, you're all better. You're fixed. Everything's good. You know, for people who suffer with addiction, you start to feel the seventh day, 14th day, 21st day, everything's going to be fine, I'm better. And you, then you know what happens? If you don't go all 63 days because you start to feel better, you give up and you turn around. When it comes to God and spiritual things, if God is real, the devil is real. If God's plan's over here and his plan's over here, is he going to give you a false sense of hope? Does the devil want to give you a false sense of you're doing the right thing? You're a good person. You're this, you're that, right? And so we have to learn to be careful because sometimes we take our brokenness and you know what we do? We give it to the wrong person. I'm sorry, but in, our, in church, not every Christian tells you the right thing. And I'm sorry, even in church, there's a lot of bad advice. Even in us as believers, sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes people come to us with their brokenness, and then we steer them in the wrong direction. And I'm sorry, because it's not God's purpose and plan for brokenness to get even worse. It's so that we can be all made whole and well. Well, this morning, remember our title is called Power of Love. Right? Turn to your neighbor and say the power of love. Pull out your piece of paper this morning that you were given when you walked in. I should have printed these in color, and I apologize because I use black ink, and so maybe they're a little hard to look at. But if you look at them, most of us would see that there are three gifts, right? Now there's two small gifts and there's one big gift. Two small gifts, one big gift. When we were kids, and I don't know how your parents did it, but sometimes, that thing is still stuck up there. Sometimes when we were kids, we wanted what? Big gifts. Right? How many of us wanted a big gift? And if we only small, saw small presents under the tree, did any of us ever complain? Let's be honest, because we are in church, right? 
there's two small gifts and one large gift. Sometimes what we see in God, we consider it small when it's really big. And then there's some things that God has for us instead of opening, you know what we do? We leave it under the tree. We leave it under the tree. And you know why we leave his gifts under the tree? Because we think we already have it figured out. So this morning, my title is called Power of Love. And I wonder this morning in this room, have any of us 100%, 130 million percent figured out love and relationships? Are any of us perfect as a perfect man or a perfect lady? Are any of you 100% perfect? You are the best. You are the love guru. And if you are, how come you haven't helped the rest of the world? Because how many failed relationships every single day? How many failed marriages every single day? How many friendships that are going sideways every single day? There's a power of love. Yes. You know that song, and it's still stuck up there behind me, that lovely song, the power of love, a curious thing, make one man weep and another man sing. How many of us have seen that? How many of us happy in love and we're walking, doing cartwheels, we're singing, we're dancing, and then you can see a guy in the corner crying because he just got dumped. Together, diamonds, richer than cream, stronger and harder, like a bad girl's dream. Make one man good and make another one bad. The power of love could keep you home at night. The power of love. Oh, my gosh. Power of love. The problem is, like your gift that you have on your piece of paper, God's trying to teach you how to love, but you haven't opened the box. God's trying to teach you how to love and be the best husband, to be the best wife, but you haven't opened the box. And so sometimes, you know what we do? We get stuck on other people's boxes and say, ah, I'm not loving because of the he over here, this knucklehead. The power of love. We live in this broken world. We could, I think, all admit, honestly, there's a problem with love today. There's a problem with what people chase today. Looking for love, wanting love. Look at what people do on the internet. Look what people post online. What are people looking for? Love and attention. What are people doing and striving for? They are looking, desiring love. Now, how many of us have ever had a nightmare before? Anybody have ever a bad dream? Anybody of us have a good dream before? Now, could we hear a song and that, like, in our head, like, oh, my gosh. It's like having a good dream. This is beautiful. This is amazing. But you know what happens sometimes with songs? People will take that song over God's word. What? There's people almost who get stuck in a fantasy world. This is what love is. This is what love is. This is what love is. Until love comes crashing down. The power of love, the power of real love, the 
the love that every single heart, mind, and soul is looking for this morning. It can only be found in one place. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1 is, If I speak of all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. Listen to Paul what he said. I could speak every single language on earth, but if I didn't love others, I'm only a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. All of us know somebody who sounds like that. So many of us, we know angry Karens and mean Joes, right? There's people that we'd like to push over here. Without love. You know what you sound like? Absolutely nothing at all. Annoying. Paul says, if I had the gift to prophesy, I understood all of God's secret plans, possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I can move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I had the gift to prophesy, understood God's secret plans, possessed all knowledge, if I had faith that can move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Apostle Paul, and it's sad because you know how many people go to church, clap, sing, pretend to be happy, and then they go down the street and cuss somebody out. What? That happens. It does. I'm not saying that our church, because it's other people in the churches, right? There are people who come to church and they say they're worshiping God and they raise their hands and they're blah, 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 doing all kinds of stuff. And then somebody does one wrong thing to them. And they get angry. Apostle Paul said, listen, if you prophesy, you have all the faith in the world to move mountains, but you don't love, it means nothing. He says, if I give everything to the poor, even sacrifice my body, sure, I could boast about it, but if I don't love others, I have nothing. Our love, then, in the Bible, his love, then, that is spoken about, is the most important thing. It's the power of his love. The power of his love. And has it translated into our life and heart and mind and soul? Has the power of his love translated into you? Or is it, is it that we're just stuck on what other people are doing? Well, I'm not going to love like that if the rest of y'all don't love like that. No matter what we set out to do, if there's no love, it means nothing. If we say we love God, but then we treat you like dirt, it means nothing. We can say all the nicest things in the world, right? Have you ever treated somebody like they're beneath you? Have we ever treated a homeless person in town like they're beneath us? If you've ever been rude to one person because they think that you, that you think that they're under you with their money, with their culture, with their lifestyle, God's saying, everything you do, it's now worthless. If you can't love every single person on this planet, then what you do is worthless. The power of his love. Matthew 5.43, you've heard that the law says, love your neighbor 
hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both evil and good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. If you love only those who love you, what reward will you get? Even tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. Do we truly love everyone? Or do our actions speak something different? I think most of us love our family. I think most of us love our friends. But are you loving people who bother you? Hey, I love you too, Sam. And there's only one of you in the world. You're one of a kind, baby. You're saying I bother you, huh? Uh, when your tires are flat, it wasn't me, okay? <laughs> if we really love everyone, then why are we gossiping about them? If we truly love everyone, why do we keep bringing up dirt on other people? Hmm. If we've really absorbed the love of the Father then why are we continuing to talk about people when they're not in the room? Or is it just our friends? Luke 15, 1 through 7. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such evil people. Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after search for that one that's lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. God's love, it cares about everyone. The story of the lost sheep speaks of one person. If one person came to church, would God want us to keep the lights on? Absolutely. Every single heart, mind, and soul is important. Every single person on this planet is important. No matter how we look, no matter how we sound, no matter if I like you or I hate you, it doesn't matter what I feel. God put everyone on this planet for a reason, even if that reason was to bother you. Believe me, he does that. He puts people in your life to bother you because he's trying to test you and grow you. Because sometimes we can't grow enough on our own, and so then God has to open up another door to push you to grow differently. What did he say in this story before? If you love only your friends, but you talk about everybody else's dirt, he says, you ain't going to get no reward. And don't act like in here we don't do it. Come on. We all do this. We all talk about other people's dirt. Remember, we're in church. We got to be honest. Jesus would pursue one person if there was only one on the earth. Jesus would die for one person if there was one person on the earth. The question is, would you? Would I? What would you give for that one? What would you give for that one?
In God's eyes, just one is worth it. Just one person is worth it. How much would you spend to make a point for someone? How much would you give in your time, energy, life, and money just to save one person? Luke 15, 20, he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him. He said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy being called your son. The father said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him, get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, kill the cow. We've been fatting. We must celebrate with the feast. Son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found, and the party began. One of the greatest stories of the heavenly father, one of the greatest story that describes the heart of a father, not just any father, but our heavenly father. When we did not have, if any of us did not have good earthly fathers, this father is the description of how all of us men should be. This is how we should be and how we should love the neck. The dad loses one of his sons. The dad gives to one son most of his money and sends him off because he wanted money and he wanted to leave. He had a rebellious son. This son ended up spending his money on prostitutes and partying. And then you know what happened? He ran out of money. Just like anybody out there, sometimes it happens, you run out of money. So you know what he did? He went and worked for a pig farmer. For Jewish people, in the, the picture that Jesus painting, everyone listening, they were mad, they were angry, and I guarantee you they had a rock in their hand. They were ready to hurt somebody. They were so mad at this boy that Jesus was talking about. And then Jesus turns and starts describing the heavenly father to them. What was the first thing? One, the heavenly father looks around and waits every single day for my lost son, my lost daughter to come home. Every single day, the patience that our heavenly father has with every one of us. Every single day, no matter how good, sweet, kind, and beautiful we look on the outside, some of us struggle with junk inside. God waiting patiently for every one of us. Secondly, the heavenly father will run and chase us down. And then this image set off everyone listening because Jewish men don't run. We don't have that same law on here today, right? But Jewish men don't run. They don't pick up their, their outfit that they're wearing. It looks humiliating to them. The heavenly father is willing to be embarrassed to show love. He's willing to let down his pride to show love. He's willing to ignore the culture that he was brought up in. I'm a tough man. He's willing to forget the culture, the past, the embarrassing look in the moment just to show love. And then he sees his son. Notice that when he sees his son, he didn't say, Whew. he's been working with pigs. How many of you ever walked around in pig poop and mud? You think it smelled good? Notice what the heavenly father, notice what the father didn't do. He did not say, clean up, 
dress up, and then we'll talk. But notice that's how a lot of us act towards other people. I ain't going to work with you. You need to work with me. It's my way or the highway. This is God. This is the heavenly father waiting, looking, patiently, running, being embarrassed, letting down his guard, his pride, and his culture. For what? One person. When he sees him, it wasn't clean up. Wash yourself. When people come to church and they're dirty, we shouldn't be looking at them funny. Right? When people come in and they're hungry for God, we shouldn't look at them any different. We shouldn't treat them any different. Because if God was there, he'd be the first one to hug them. God is so different sometimes than how we are. See, the world that we grew up in, there's a broken system of love. And it's so opposite from the way that we were taught, trained, and brought up. So different from the word of God. So different than the heavenly father and his love. The power of his love, it blows your mind. The more you read the Bible and see the power of his love, it will blow your mind. His love is so powerful. It is the most powerful thing on this planet, the love of our God, the pursuit of our God. When he sees his son, he didn't even make him fully apologize. But yet how many of us, if somebody wrongs us, oh, you're going to say sorry first for I'd be nice to you. This is the heavenly father that he's talking about. And how many of us, we want to demand an apology. You will apologize. You will say sorry. The heavenly father wasn't demanding apology. He wasn't demanding that his son get cleaned up. That's the other funny thing about church. Oh, if you're going to come into church and you want to be up on the stage or you want to do anything here, we got to clean you up. we got to shave your hair. we got to get you a suit and tie. got to make you look real fine. You don't find that here. You don't find that in the Bible. Keep it, Andrew. Grow it longer, right? Yeah. Why is it we've been so backwards in church? If you're going to be a Christian, you got to wear this. You got to walk like this and you got to talk like this. You got to quack like a duck and walk backwards. Do the moon dance. We have been so far removed from the heavenly father and the way that he loves and that's why the, the world's love today is broken. Because it's so far removed from his love. The heavenly father, man, he loves us and he cares so much. He's not waiting for you to get on your knees and, and cry like a baby and say sorry. He's not telling you clean up before you do something nice for me or somebody else. God's rules are so far different than the rules we have in our head. And even the way, as parents, the rules that we've given to our kids. He looks at his son and he says, bring him a robe and a ring and in sandals. While he was full of dirt, while he was full of pig poop, he got the robe out of his closet and he put it on his son. My son deserves my best. And so he asked for his robe to be brought out. 
my kids, they deserve my best. My wife deserves my best. Every person on this planet deserves my best. That is the Heavenly Father. Get my robe, and I'm going to put it on your stinky self. He didn't care about the robe. He didn't care about the clothes. He didn't care about the money. He cared about his son. If God puts people in your life testing you to see how well you're going to love them and care for them, they're not going to be nice to you. They're going to give you the stink eye. God stretching, pulling. Because you know what? The power of his love has been spoken and it's been written. Now it's just waiting to be displayed amongst us. Powerful, his love. But for love, sometimes it becomes one-sided. My way, my rules, take care of me first. Do everything that I'm asking you, then I will love you. You know, sometimes it just happens subconsciously. If his love is the most powerful thing on this planet, why have most of us not absorbed it and then given it to somebody else? Why are we so stuck on gossiping? Why are we so stuck on other people's dirt? Why? That's not God's love. My last verse, and we're going to close and pray. John 3, 16, very popular verse. This is how God loved the world. He gave his best, his one and only son. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent his son into the world not to judge it, but to save the world through it. This morning I started with my title and our theme, Unbroken. And then I talked about a story that there was somebody who had a broken situation and she took that broken situation and she put it into somebody's hands. And when she put that situation into somebody's hands, what happened? It became unbroken and her daughter became whole and her daughter became healthy and she was instantly delivered. All of our lives this morning, if you take them and you place them into the hands of the father, he will keep you unbroken and to understand what unbroken means it's the power of his love it's not Huey Lewis cool song right back to the future one great movie kind of because we could get stuck on a song instead of be stuck on him we could be stuck in a fantasy thought somewhere instead of be stuck on him. Genesis 4, 1 through 7. Eve gave birth to a brother, and this is going to sound familiar because I read it in my offering verse. Eve gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. And when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. One was a farmer, one was a shepherd. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of the crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portion of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. 
And so as we close this morning and we wrap up and pray, the hardest questions that we ask ourselves today, is God getting my best or is he getting my crumbs? In, in our life, in our job, in our work week, in our homes, are we striving to give God our best? Does God understand we're busy? Yeah. It's talked about in the end, people will be too busy to care about God because they're eating, drinking, and getting married, he said. But is your busyness taking you away from the Father? Because if your busyness is taking you away from the Father, you know what happens? We just slowly walk backwards. Let's pray.